listening to our New Chapel podcast. We're for people to connect with God and be raised to new life in Christ. Be sure to connect with us at newchapel.com and on social media to stay up to date on everything happening here at New Chapel. going to be great. Hey, uh, today's kind of fun. It's the last Sunday of the year. We'll have no more, well, the last Sunday service, I should say. And uh, I get it. We're all getting ready to go out and, and uh, get our last minute shopping done. In fact, uh, just an unscientific poll. Who is done with all the shop and done with any food purchases? Like you're done. Yeah. Everybody look, these are the unicorns. I'm just, I'm trying to tell you that like, it's not it's not normal. Maybe it's not even right, but uh, we're proud for you. Here's what you want. Gold, gold star. Good job, Eddie. You did great. Good job. Praise the Lord. For the rest of us, uh, our kids are ready. Like our kids are jazzed for Christmas and all of that. And I tease them like crazy, telling them about coal in their stocking or whatever. But man, we've got exciting plans. I'm sure that you do as well. Um, but you've got to love this time of year because, you know, we in America, in a normal time, we are so committed, aren't we? We have a ton of things going on. You're bringing your kids to soccer practice. I mean, like, we're everywhere at once. And then you come to this time of the year, and it is insane. Like, we commit to so many things. And while that's happening, why does everybody feel like they have a license to give your kids sugar now, okay? <laughs> There's one part that I like about that, and that is that they sleep like a rock, but they are nuts, before all of that. And then what do we have to do? We have to bundle up everybody in a car and commute the crazy down the road to grandma's house where all you're trying to do is guard your kids from crashing family heirloom furniture, you know, and, and, but it is a fun time of year. And it seems like it is centered around coming together and giving gifts to one another. I do think that that is pretty cool. Uh, we give gifts for people that we love and for people that we want them to think that we think strongly of them. And, uh, and then we give, we give presents to people that we have to. Anybody else in that boat? Like, you know what I'm talking about? But uh, it, it does center oftentimes around all of that. And in the midst of all of that, we're supposed to be making these long-lasting memories. Now, in everything that I'm going to say today, never confuse the point. I love Christmas. If there's anybody on earth that loves it, it's me. I am Clark Griswold. I'm just telling you right now. I'm him, shawl collar to the max. I am having a riot. We have two Christmas sleighs inside our living room. One has a Christmas tree coming out of it. The other one, my kids dress up in full garb and sit in it while we watch Christmas movies. I am locked in. And there's some things I can't do, okay? Let me tell you the one thing I can't do. Oh, Lord, help me out if, if this is you too. I cannot watch Hallmark Channel Christmas movies. Oh, it's the worst. It's the worst. And here's the worst part about it. There's 1,200 of them. Let me just tell you something right now. If you're dating a girl and you haven't proposed, you haven't planned a date yet, you better do it. Because if they start watching these Hallmark movies, here's the basic plot. There's going to be a handsome mailman that has a cute dog that shows up. He's going to take your girl. I'm just telling you. And then... Then what are they doing? They're taking a stab at what the meaning of Christmas is. What's the true meaning of Christmas? And it's all of the gummy stuff. Oh, we need to dream again. We got to dream. 
Oh, puke. You know, we got to believe. It's just believe. It's like, believe in what? Tell them, tell them, you know. Give me two minutes. I don't even need a whole movie. I'll give everybody on the Hallmark Channel. This is what it's all about, right? Or, or the real meaning of Christmas is giving. We need to be more giving. And it's such hogwash. Kai used to get into this stuff. Now she hides the fact that she likes it. I know you've been watching those Netflix specials when I'm not around, but the, the, the moral of the story is everybody, the, the world tries to take a stab at what the meaning of Christmas is. And again, I'm Clark Griswold to the max. I want to have the fun of Christmas. I'm going to celebrate with my family. I don't think you have to make the discernment. And at the same time, I've lived enough life and I've faced enough, even at Christmas, to know what it really is all about. I don't want to be wearing a shawl collar and eating Christmas cookies, sugar cookies, and, and exchanging gifts and miss out on what the true, the true meaning of Christmas is. Can I hear an amen, somebody? If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Luke's gospel. I want to show you this in Luke chapter 2. You should read this to your family on Christmas Eve Christmas Day. Take some time. The whole chapter, it's gold. Luke's Gospel, chapter 2. I'm going to start reading in verse 9. The angel said, do not be afraid. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. What is the true meaning of Christmas, Pastor Joe? What is it then? I've got a simple answer for you. Write it down. Christmas is a birthday. Don't overcomplicate it. It's celebrating a birthday. Whose birthday? Jesus' birthday. It's his birthday. That's what Christmas is. Well, Christmas is actually really all about family and generosity and making memories. It's actually not about any of that. It's about Jesus' birthday. Now, I want you to make family memories, and I want you to spend time with older kinfolk. I want you to be able to have some, some real moments where you learn to be generous. But the true meaning of Christmas really is the fact that it is a birthday. And you can enjoy all of those things. I'm going to have a riot. I dress up straight up in a Santa Claus jacket, have a great time with my kids. I laugh because every once in a while, a religious person will come up and say, Pastor Joe, we don't celebrate Santa Claus in our house. Oh, really? Why? And I know where it's going to go. Well, you know that if you rearrange the letters of Santa, it spells Satan. What does that even mean? If you rearrange the letters of God, it spells dog. That doesn't mean anything. You can have Santa Claus have all that fun. Don't put your faith in Santa Claus. Don't have your kids in counseling when they're 25. Be like, they didn't tell me no middle school. You know, but like, but please, you can have all of the fun that you'd like, but it's got to be focused on Jesus. Say amen. amen. It's all about him. He came and he came with a purpose to save mankind. And when we pull back all the fluff, when we pull back all of the, the stress that we feel running the kids around or having to get to this thing or that thing or buying for a coworker you don't know, when we pull all of that away and we actually focus on the Lord, I'm here to tell you that that's where the peace is that you're looking for. Say amen, somebody. And no matter what, we can look to Jesus. Jesus. If government could save us, God would have sent a politician. If education could save us, he would have just sent a teacher. But we needed a Savior, and so God sent the only Messiah, Jesus Christ, into this world, and that's who we need. Say amen, somebody. Now, yeah, thank you. Uh, he's what it's all about. 
When we say Jesus, we're actually saying Emmanuel, God with us. We have to realize who he is. He is the King of kings, the Lord of lords. He's the Prince of Peace, somebody. He is the God that heals today. He heals broken marriages and broken lives. People that are messed up in one season can have new life in him. God is the God of miracles today. I'm preaching way better than y'all are letting on. I'm just telling you, God is good. Can I hear an amen? And so, so Jesus is the reason for all of this. He is the gift of Christmas. Profound question. What are you doing with the gift? What have you done with the gift? Very profound. How many in the room have ever gone to one of those white elephant Christmas gift parties, the exchange? You've ever been there? Yeah. You can tell already by an unscientific poll as I look around the room, there's some people that, oh, I just love those so much. And then there's people that like order, like me. For me, when I go to a white elephant, it is absolute carnage. And if you don't know what it is, it's where there's all kinds of gifts people bring and they put on a table, and we go in order, and you're able to open up a gift brand new. Or if you don't want to open up a gift brand new, you can go steal someone else's gift. The devil. And I remember... I like things in order. I want to know what to expect. I want to know where we're going with all of this stuff. So Kai and I got invited to a white elephant gift exchange Christmas party at a church we were serving at in Tulsa. And we got there, and I'm telling you, it was a page right out of that wonderful show, The Office, where there's an iPod and everything else is junk. If you don't know what The Office is, it's a very spiritual show that we're talking about right now. And so I was the guy that opened up the iPod, and I thought, I won the lottery, and I'm, I'm so excited about it. I'm making a big deal. And some joker stole that away from me. <laughs> Somehow, I don't even understand the rules of this. I don't know if anyone understands the rules of White Elephant, just to let you know. But I got to go again. I got to steal again because somebody took my thing. And, and so we're going around. I've got the iPad back, uh, iPod back no fewer than like four times in the course of the night. But by the end of all of it, it was stolen from me. Everybody say, aww. Yeah. You want to know what I left that party with? Guys, throw up the picture. It's evil. A box DVD set of Bruce Lee's greatest hits. I still feel like that. Every time I think about that moment, it makes me so upset. And so, so my gift was stolen. I just wonder if the greatest gift gets stolen from us because we get wrapped up in the hype, we get wrapped up in the stuff, all the fluff around it, and it's okay. If, if it's adding value to your life, praise the Lord. But we get wrapped up in that, and we have the real gift of Christmas that's stolen from it. I say, New Chapel, we get our gift back. Say amen. amen. If you have your Bible, Matthew's Gospel, chapter 2, I want to read this. The Bible says, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men, everybody say wise men, Wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. Verse 10. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child, that's Jesus, with Mary his mother. They fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him. A little aside before I get to the, the point I'm trying to make here. Uh, who was there? The wise men, Mary, and Jesus. The wise men come in. Who was there? Jesus and Mary. Who did they worship? They worship Jesus. Listen, guys, Mary is a 10 out of 10. We love Mary. We owe her a debt of gratitude. I can't wait to meet her. But we worship Jesus alone. Can I hear an amen? Now, I wonder, you know, when we start thinking about getting our gift back, 
have you ever gotten to the spot where it was too much? Where you face so much commercialism and so much of the hype and rush of Christmas that it actually kind of made you jaded to the whole thing? You wanted to pull back for less, but at the same time felt the disposition that God had more? I think that the greatest gift of Jesus does get taken from us by that distraction. But what it shows in this passage is that Christmas is a birthday. And that when you go to a birthday, we're supposed to do something. Profound question. You ready? What does a good guest bring to a birthday party? Go ahead. Right. Right. Not a trick question, right? Y'all aren't from Nuevo. I'm just trying to say, like, it's a gift. You bring a gift to a birthday party. Your kid gets invited to his buddy's party. What do you do? You send him with a gift to the birthday party. So what I'm trying to say is it's all about his birth. It is a birthday party at Christmas. And just to relieve you, this isn't going in a financial direction at all. But we are called to make a gift exchange to Jesus. Now, Every year, uh, we make a Christmas list in our household. You know, maybe at the top of your Christmas list, I'm sure you guys do it, you have your spouse. Uh, or, or maybe if you're not married, your fiancé, your boyfriend or girlfriend. Which, by the way, if you don't have that, you're saving a ton of money. Okay? <laughs> but then you've got uh, your kids, and then you know, you got your parents, and then the outlaws, in-laws, whatever. You know, you've got um, you know, friends and family, extended family, your boss, your coworkers. You make a list. Question, is Jesus on your Christmas list? And I'm saying that in a way where I realize, like, he, he wasn't on ours, just to let the cat out of the bag. But think that way for a second with me. It's his birthday. It's what the focus is all about. Shouldn't we even ask the question, God, what do you want? What are you looking for in all of this? Christmas is the only birthday where we don't bring a gift for the person whose birthday we're celebrating. And so it begs the question, what do we do? We, we, we know that wise men bring him gifts. What's the opposite? Those that are unwise aren't. Well, I want to be wise. I want to be a person that's bringing my best to God. What do you bring Jesus, the guy who has everything? He has almost everything. In fact, it points to the reason why he came in the first place. Luke's Gospel, chapter 19. Let me read it for you. The Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. What is the best gift that you can give Jesus? It's to bring him his lost family. It's to bring his kids back in the house. Write that down. The lost people that he came to seek and save. That's the gift that he's looking for. It's not the stuff. He's not even looking for you to be like, do Santa, have the turkey. Don't burn the turkey. Have the turkey. No, but it's not that you can't do those things, but the focus needs to be, God, you want your family around the table, don't you? God wants his lost kids. Now, when I say the word lost, I feel like I should qualify that because we live in 2021 and everybody's on pins and needles these days. Have you ever noticed that? Lost. Pastor Joe lost is derogatory. Are you casting shade on those people? The furthest thing could be true. When I say lost, here's what I mean. You only can lose something that has value. A couple years ago, I remember I was power washing um, how many just love power washing? Like, you feel like you're really taking ground in your life? It's just instant gratification, isn't it? Like, man, this is great. We live in a new house, you know? And, and you can do cement siding, the whole deal. I was having a riot, and it ended up being something that I classic Joe Bevilacqua told Kai it'd be about an hour. It was the whole day. It was the entire day. And when it was all done, I was celebrating, crowning the whole day of yard work with a glass Mexico on my, my steps going into the house. And I looked down at my hand, 
no wedding ring. Rut row. <laughs> I looked everywhere diligently. I remember I went on the Craigslist and I got this dude, weird story, but he was willing to come out to people's houses for free and do metal detecting. That was a lot, by the way, a lot more than I anticipated. But, but he did the whole yard. I'm looking everywhere for this thing. The best I can tell is I power washed it off my hand and it implanted it into the ground in some weird way. I mean, we found all kinds of artifacts out there. Very neat. I mean, Smithsonian would be interested. Outside of that, I haven't had my wedding ring since that moment. It's lost. Why? Because it had value. Have you ever thought there was 100 bucks inside your wallet and you were going to you were going to pull that out and pay for something. You went in there, you can't find that hundred bucks. You're like, where's my hundred bucks? Everything stops when you lose a hundred bucks that you thought was it. Well, where's my hundred bucks? You know, what? <laughs> you, you know. And so in the same way, think of it. You only lose things of value. Do you know what I actually looked for this week and couldn't find? My DVD box set of Bruce Lee's greatest. It couldn't find it. And honestly, don't care. I didn't lose that. That's purposefully gone, I'm sure. Okay? Like, I can't lose that because I don't care. You lose something of value. Listen to me, Christian. You're valuable. Listen to me, person who's far from God. You are valuable to God. Jesus came into this world and gave himself for you. You are of great value. When I say lost, you are in good company of people that were in that same spot. And the reason why we say that is because we feel so found when we had a relationship with our God through Jesus. Amen, somebody. And so we need to realize that he has given us his best. So the greatest gift that we can give Jesus is bringing him someone who he died for. That might be you. If you're a Christian in this place, it might be somebody who you know, who you know that they're far from God or they're, they're uh, a-religious these days. It's bringing those people so they can be with God. Proverbs 11.30, the Bible says that he who wins souls is wise. Way before the wise men ever came, they were called wise because they were reaching people for Jesus, winning souls, right? The wise men came. And they were wise. They gave gifts to Jesus. You, my friend, are going to be a wise Christian when you make the decision. I'm going to bring the great gift to me was Jesus. But when I give him a gift, it's going to be his family that he's looking for. Say amen. Now, here's what I believe in all of that is that a simple, a simple invitation can change everything. Ushers, if you could pass out the cards. I want to show you guys these cards we prepared for you. Um, we spent some time this week putting these together for you because we realize it can be overwhelming when we start talking about inviting somebody else into our church, into our faith. And what I want to do is make it as easy on you as I possibly can. So uh, as you get this, you'll read that on Sunday, I'm just asking you to pray and ask God who he's telling you to reach out to, to invite. And I would venture to guess, if you're in the sound of my voice right now, you already know somebody. Like as I've talked so far, a face came into your head or a name came into your head. I bet they'd come along with us already. If not, that's okay. Pray about it and write the name down on this card. Tuesday, I'm sorry, Monday, make your Facebook cover photo Christmas Eve graphic from the New Chapel Facebook. I know this is a huge request because Facebook is real life, okay? And you don't want to take your family portrait off or your favorite sports team, but listen, you really have to take one for the team by doing this. I'm, not, I'm being facetious, okay? Like, it's not a big deal for you to go on New Chapel's Facebook page, save our cover photo, and make it your cover photo. It's a small thing, but what it does is in a passive way, it lets people know where you stand and where you're going. That's good. 
And it's a penny in the mason jar, my dad would say. Tuesday, buy a stranger a cup of coffee and give them an invite to Christmas. Now, if you're a tea person, I'm not getting the semantics. What I'm saying is, likely, most of us in the room are going to be in a drive-thru at some point during this week. Buy the, uh, the, the order of the person behind you if you can. Uh, maybe you, uh, you work in an office. I mean, they just opened up a Dunkin' Donuts down the road. Hallelujah. And uh, go pick up a couple coffees for your, for your cubicle mates. You know, like there's a, there's a small thing that you can do that's within your budget that you can go and bless people with coffee. I'm telling you, coffee is most Americans' love language, okay? Like it's, just, it's simple. And you can put your invites out there. Tell them, hey, I, I'm just, I, I want to let you guys know I'm going to Christmas Eve at New Chapel on Friday. On uh, Wednesday, and I wonder who will actually do this. If you do it, you should text me this. But handwrite a card and give it to a coworker or friend and invite them to church. It says this Sunday, that was the first mistake I made this year. It's actually for this Friday. But here's what I mean by this. How often have you gone to Barnes & Noble? Oh, I love that stationery. And you buy that stationery. And you're actually uh, part of the hoarder's starter kit because you don't rate anybody. You just have stacks of stationery, okay? Here's what I'm asking you to do is open up one of your perfect stacks and write a letter to somebody. Hand, <laughs> that's somebody that knows they need to do it. Hand write, hand write a letter and just be like, look, hey, I was thinking about you. Merry Christmas. If you don't have any place else to go, I'd, I'd love to save a seat with you. Like, I'd, I'd love to celebrate Christmas with you. On Thursday, leave a waiter a large tip and invite them to Christmas with an invite card. Why say that? I don't want you to do it today. Most waiters and waitresses do not want to work on a Sunday because other churches, not you, not you, other churches in the great by and by, they are lousy tippers. And what they'll do is they'll come from church and tip them a gospel track. Well, hallelujah, how am I going to eat, you know? Is he going to divide the loaves and fishes here? I work at Russ's, you know, like, let's go. And so what I'm asking you to do is on Thursday... Go in, and if you have to order less, I do this. Order less and give a bigger tip to bless the socks off them. How about this one? Those guys need to be rewarded because they're not sitting on their blessed assurance. They're out there working. And that is commendable. The Bible says that there's honor in all labor. And those people are out there when everybody else is sitting back watching Maury. Okay? So you got to go and just reward them for that, much less invite them to church. Say amen, somebody. And then Friday, I want you to wake up in the morning and I want you to pray. Pray for the people that you've invited. Pray for our four o'clock and six o'clock services, and then we'll see you at four or six respectively. This right here is something you can do. This is within your grasp. You can get this done. You know, there was a man named Royal Harvey. It's back in the early 80s. And old Royal Harvey, he was a tough dude. I mean, he was like Mac the Knife, okay? Like just just tough. He was a Grand Rapids fireman, and uh, he was also a builder. I mean, he was nice enough, but like tough cookie. And somehow, through a long sequence of events, somebody invited him to church, and he accepted Christ. Well, he worked on his family, including a man, now my father-in-law, named Eric Harvey. His adult son was living wild. He was an alcoholic, and and over and over again, he tried to invite him to church, tried to minister to him. And it wasn't until he accepted this invitation to go to an Amway meeting down in Florida, of all places, went down with his dad. And back in the day, there was a lot of evangelism that was happening in those meetings. And he accepted Christ at an Amway meeting. 
Well, now flash forward. He raises his kids in a godly way. Pastor Eric becomes Pastor Eric Harvey, right? Legendary. And accepts a call to minister as a kid's pastor way up in the hills of sunny Nuevo. Now, that's where I'm from. Don't tell anybody. But I accepted Christ, ended up following a girl to church. You know what's funny about them? Nobody has ever invited me to church to this day. Nobody's ever invited me. And I remember once I got to that church and, and, and made things right with God, I, I remember looking at friends that I went to school with. I knew them from school, and they were part of the church, part of the youth group there. And I remember thinking to myself, why in the world did they never reach out and be like, hey, Joe, you, you'd love this. I would have loved it. I would have come along with them. They never reached out, and so I never went with them. I had to follow a girl. How spiritual is that, everybody? Now, it didn't work out with that girl. She's a wonderful Christian, married, and I thank God for that. But Pastor Eric ran the kids' ministry, and that means if you're in ministry, all your kids have a job. And so his daughter, Erikiah Harvey at the time, was running check-in. And people in the church begin to know, why in the world does Joe Bevilacqua, he doesn't have any kids, why is he going up through the kids' check-in? Because I'm smart. I'm smart. And that pretty girl was checking in those little babies. Oh, aren't they cute, Kaya? That's such a cute little kid. You want a lot of kids? You know, like just, you know. You want to know, literally, honest before God. God, strike me with lightning if I'm wrong. I remember after we both served in preschool one day, I said, have you ever considered being a pastor's wife? Just throwing it out there. And Kai was like, oh, yes, I have. This is how awkward we were at 17. <laughs> Praise God. But I went through that check-in line over and over and over again. Family would come through. I'd make room, but I'd go right back and get back in line again because I was in love with that PK. And I had good taste, taste, by the way. way. Praise, Praise God. God. <laughs> but who would have ever thought when Royal Harvey accepted Christ that she, her, his granddaughter would eventually marry a guy that was called into ministry? And now we're raising our kids. And my first son, his name is, named for his great-grandfathers, Aurelio Royal Bevilacqua. You know, it's an amazing thing. He's being raised in a godly way. I wasn't raised in a godly way. I mean, we were Christians, meaning we hid Easter eggs, put up a Christmas tree, and when the Billy Graham special came on, we didn't really listen to it, but Dad said, whatever he says is what we believe. That's, that's true. You know, we were Christians, right? But now I get to raise my kids in a godly way. How did it happen? Somebody invited Royal. Royal invited his family. Eric began to raise his family in a godly way. I invited me. <laughs> I ended up getting with my wife. Now we're raising our kids in a godly way, and I wonder whose family tree you're going to change this Christmas because you inconvenience yourself and change your traditions a little bit to come on Friday and bring somebody along with you. Praise God. Yeah. That's a big deal. You know, Ed and Sheila, everybody knows. I'm just going to go ahead and say that. Ed and Sheila, everybody knows. If you don't know Ed and Sheila, you're going to meet him today, I'm sure. But Ed and Sheila are the mascots for New Chapel. That's who they are. And they are so good about making relationship and inviting people to church. And they worked on their neighbors for a long time. And I know this, that eventually they got one of them to come along, and her name is Georgia. I love Georgia. Georgia's from the South, and I just like people from North Carolina. I'm just telling you. There's just something different. I like that brand, okay? She is the, the, the best picture to show what Kai and I think of our spirit animal. Like, we love people like Georgia. So Georgia comes to the church, and you know, anytime you're a visitor and you're coming by the church, you're like, 
is this a cult? You know, is this, this is weird. I don't know. I've never saw this. I do like this. You're, you're judging me the whole time. It's wonderful, by the way. It's a real vacation. But she liked it. And afterwards, she said, I, I like that. And here's how I like it. My, the generation I came from and older, maybe young folk don't know how to do it, but like they'll say, he just tells it like it is. If people say that about me, I kind of like that. And so Georgia came and has been coming, and she got invited to come this past Wednesday to our Go Team Leader Appreciation Party for Christmas, the Elves Night Out, okay? So she comes with Ed and Sheila. She's not serving on the team yet, but I will break every rule for Ed and Sheila because I love them. And so, so Georgia comes along, and we end up playing this awesome party game. I cooked spaghetti and fettuccine for 50 people. It was delectable. And, and then afterwards, we play this game. This game takes longer than Monopoly, I'm convinced, because you have this ball that is larger than a basketball. It's, it's bigger than that. And it is entirely saran wrap in presents. At the very middle, there's something really cool, kind of like your office iPod thing, right? But all through it, there's a dollar, there's five bucks, ten bucks, there's some change, there's some sunglasses, there's some dollar store, this and that. There's, there's, there's all kinds of fun things. And so how you play it is, uh, uh, we're sitting at a table, so we set three tables up in this room, each of the three major areas that people serve in, and there's one person that's rolling dice, only two of them, and the idea is if you can get the dice to match, snake eyes, or you got both of them are twos, Yahtzee, okay? You get your Yahtzee, you get to grab the, the, the big uh, saran wrap ball from the person, and you get to start to unravel it. Well, why do you want to do that? Because whatever falls out, well, you have it, it's yours to keep. Now, these are small presents, but our church gets ruthless with it. You'd think these people done lost their mind. The first time we played this game, Josh Zender hit his wife in the face. He's opened up and he goes, ah, like that. Oh, and it was just like, and so it gets intense. And so we're playing this game. Now, an unintended byproduct of this game is as you're opening up with all of the saran wrap, it creates all of the saran wrap junk. And so my creative church puts all of those together and makes snowballs and starts pelting one another during the game. Now, here's what I love. Georgia gets hit with a saran wrap ball. Pretty hard, too. I love Georgia. She bucks up. She starts to be like the leader of everybody making these balls and whopping at people. And she'd laugh at you while she's doing it. Ha-ha! Wow! And hit you in your face. That blessed me. Afterwards, she comes up. She's like, Pastor Joe, Pastor Joe, Pastor Joe, I'm so sorry I got carried away. I said, no, let me tell you something. You know how when, when somebody comes over to your house for Thanksgiving and they fall asleep, people say, like, that's the greatest compliment you can pay me. I told Georgia, I said, you pelt my people in the face and laughing while you're doing it. That's the greatest compliment you can give me. <laughs> means you're home. Right. means you're home. Right. You found your people. Yeah. Guys, that's what I'm talking about. We want people to go from being outsiders to insiders, and it's going to take us being purposeful about taking those walls down in their life. Say amen, somebody. How did it all start? Simple invitation. It wasn't something profound. It's a simple invitation, and this church today exists because of simple invitations made in our family tree, other people that cared enough to invite us in, and here we all are. Someone's life, their family tree could be changed because of an invite that is in your hands. Say amen. amen.
John's Gospel, if you will, you could turn there with me, and we'll stay there for most of the time that we have left. John's Gospel, chapter 1, I'm going to start reading in verse 36. John says this, he says, Behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. Notice, John is pointing towards Jesus. He's giving the simple invitation. What happens? They follow. Verse 40, one of the two who had heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He was first found uh, by his brother, and he says, we found the Messiah. And he brought him to Jesus. The following day, Jesus went to Galilee, and he found Philip and said, follow me. What's happening in this narrative? You're seeing our great Bible heroes that were, their, their great investor, investor into the Hall of Fame was the fact that they were just invited. Simple invites. Verse 44. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth. What do we see in this passage? Write it down. When someone really, truly finds Jesus, they got to tell somebody else about it. they got to do it. Like when you become a person who has a relationship with Jesus, there, there is something inside of you that needs to let someone else know about it. And if you haven't been able to place that feeling, that's exactly what it is. Found people find people. And if you're not finding other people, we really have to ask, have you really been found? I'll tell you, the life I was living before Christ, it was critical. I, I, did, I was not a happy camper. I was in a bad spot. Then Jesus came into my life and changed everything. I can't stop talking about it. And the reality is that's human nature. My sister-in-law, she likes this certain company that creates something called a slumpy. I don't know. Google it. But it's like a stuffed animal without the stuffing in it. And she gave my kid a Norwal. And she thought she was very cool for doing that. Praise the Lord, right? But she likes this company. And she found a good deal on it. And so now, anytime this company has a sale on Instagram, she is direct messaging us, everybody she knows. Like, are you on Avon duty right now for this company? Like, it's unbelievable. She's everywhere at once. When Kaya, God forbid, we get a coupon from Bed Bath & Beyond. I mean, she's texting everybody. Do you know the sales on right now? Sales on right now, Bed Bath & Beyond. You want to go with me? Sales on Bed Bath & Beyond. I want to go. They got some dishes. I want to get some dishes. We don't need dishes, you know, but the coupon's on. Can't stop talking about it. I remember when we found the, the, the restaurant called Kitchen 67, okay? Now, I like brands, but I go a little bit ADD. They got 345 screens around me, like so many different games are going on. It's just a lot. Kitchen 67, owned by brands. Same medallion cut of steak. But it's a little bit chill. Kai and I were telling everybody. We couldn't stop talking about it. Have you been to Kitchen 60? We're talking about it like it's some sort of like hidden Lucky Charms golden box of like, have you been to 67? Kitchen 67. You know, like... We say it with a whisper. Oh, Lord, have mercy when we found out about Butcher's Union. I mean, we couldn't sleep. And so, so guys, when you get excited about something, you go and tell everybody about it. It would be in Greek, the word evangelon. It's the word evangelist. It's exactly in human nature to do it. Now, 82% of unchurched people are receptive to church if they were invited by a friend, 82%. That's, that's amazing. Is that encouraging to anybody? Because the world would want you to think right now that if you don't keep your faith just to yourself, that you're going to offend somebody. Likely not. 
And of the remaining 18%, how many of them already have a church home, right? They're not going to be offended. You know what I found is with worldly people, even sinners, they're not typically offended when you talk about God. They're interested, if nothing else, for the novelty of hearing what you have to say. It is people who used to be in relationship with God that now are angry at the Christian God that don't want you to talk about Jesus at all. A small percentage outside of that are atheists that want nothing to do with God. It is very infinitesimal. And especially in western Michigan, Mylanta, you know they had a church tradition somewhere in their past. Talk to them. 82%. But then check this. 21% of Christians bring someone to church within a calendar year. So you have eight out of 10 who are not in this place, who are just waiting for the invitation. And then you've got Christians. Two out of 10 are actually willing to make the invitation. Wow. That's very profound. Think about that. They're willing to come. They're willing to go along, and yet they never get the invitation because you're afraid of offending them or your faith is private. There's no such thing as private Christianity. It doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. That's a purple cow. Your faith was meant to be shared with this world. Can I hear an amen, somebody? And so, so we need to be the people that get serious about this. Because people are talking about the things that they're excited about. Anybody else like have a family member that's in the health club mafia right now? I'm going to put it that way, where they're telling you what you need to, and what the, and what the little jabby jab, you know what I'm talking about? I'm sorry, Zuckerberg. I'm sorry for the thing I made it. They ain't afraid to get up in your grill and tell you like, are you back? I'm oh, so sorry. I almost said it. Are you, are you taking care? They aren't afraid to do that. And we have the greatest message of all time. They're fighting for their life here on earth. They're loving their life as unto death. And we have the eternal message of salvation, which is eternal life. And we're sitting on our hands. Well, eight out of 10 people outside of this room would love to be here and love to have the peace in their family that you have and love to be able to have the joy and love to hear a message like this. But we don't want to offend. Get over it. Get over it. We've, we, we've got to take this seriously. Come on, somebody. And so when, when people are like, man, this nation needs Jesus. Yeah. Eight out of 10 would come with you. Invite them. Invite them to church. And that's why we're doing Christmas Eve at New Chapel the way that we are. And I want to formally invite everyone in the sound of my voice right now. Please do come. We have two identical services. One's at 4 o'clock and one's at 6. I know some of y'all have Christmas Eve off. 4 o'clock's great, nice and early. Some of you are going to come right from work, grab the family, or meet them here and be able to come into the 6 o'clock service. Here's what I can guarantee you. It is going to be very welcoming to visitors. It's going to be very special. We're going to have a very clear and compelling Christmas story, the telling of the gospel story. Um, Like always, I'm going to be reading the Christmas story. That's a New Chapel tradition that we love around here. And your kids are going to love it. Uh, So if you have family that has kids, they're going to love it. They're going to hear the Christmas message in a way they can understand. And also do the fun stuff. They're going to make little ornaments for you and your family to put on the tree. All kinds of the fun stuff. But it's going to be focused on Jesus. And and this is going to be a celebration that really is going to be it's going to be a tradition in your family, and we're starting it this year. Next year, we're doing Christmas Eve. I don't see us stopping because I think it's going to be very significant. Now, Christmas, January, and Easter are three very important times where people feel the most drawn to come to church. They want a message of hope. Some of you are having the best time of your life. You are having your Clark Griswold Christmas, and you are sitting next to people right now 
even the believers in the room, who this is a little bit of a downtime. To be honest with you, I've lost a lot of my family on or around Christmas. A lot of the people I used to celebrate with on Christmas Day are gone. And so some of these people, what they need is an encouraging message filled with hope just like you do. Think about it. Your worst day, it's always better with Jesus. So we need, we need to be the people that take that seriously for them because the invitation will make the difference. Write this down. 79% of people who join a church were invited by a friend. Eight out of 10 people who are actually a part of this thing here today, someone invited you. Now think of the person that did it. Likely not some big old loud evangelist wearing a white suit looking like Colonel Sanders yelling at you but talking about you need to get right with God, you know, and you're going to hell, two syllables in hell. And, you know, it was probably, if you were to use adjectives to describe that person, they were patient, they were kind, they were welcoming. I doubt they were holier than thou. I bet they were a person that was patient. I think about Cheryl Polosic that had a big impact on my life, and that lady was patient and sweet, mild-mannered. She looks like Piglet from, from Winnie the Pooh, everybody. like She was the church accountant and made the most profound impact on my life. So you can do that. You don't have to be big and obnoxious or boisterous. Let me do that. And you, you just go into your world and talk to people about Jesus. Say amen. amen. Now here comes the question. Pastor Joe, what if I start talking to someone and they ask me questions I don't know the answer to. Questions about the church, questions about what we believe. What if they're not a believer and they come at me and they're trying to like prove me wrong? And I've learned this, to never get into an argument about my faith with someone. I'm going to agree with you on the word of God, but I'm not going to argue it. And I've learned Jesus does not meet, need me to defend him. Jesus can defend himself. But I want to show you what you can say. Because if you do ask somebody, I think it'd be very rare, but it's the fear. That's the fear all of us have, is that you're going to get into it with your, with your cousin or, or, or sibling or your, your, your friend or coworker, and you don't want drama. What do you say if they're like, well, I don't know about any of that stuff. This is what it says, very next verse in John 1, now verse 46. Nathaniel said, can anything good come out of Nazareth? This, <laughs> this would be Nathaniel saying, can anything good come out of Cedar Springs? Cedar Rock? Can anything good come out of Grant? No. Can, oh, sorry. Just came out of my spirit when I said that. No, I'm going to tell you what. Grant looks like a palace compared to White Cloud. You know what I'm talking about, everybody? There's people in Croton that are making fun of people in White Cloud right now, and it's funny. I'm telling you. Do you know that there was a murder in White Cloud the other uh, uh, month and they couldn't solve it because there was no dental records and the DNA was all the same? Well, that's funny. You tell that at Christmas, you'll get points. <laughs> Nazareth was a hick town. This is Nathaniel saying, can anything good come out of Nazareth, out of this podunk town, and you think, oh, no, there's no way. And here's what Philip does. He doesn't try to defend Jesus. He doesn't give all the reasons. Well, let me show you the Bible prophecy, and if we cross the golden lampstand of the menorah with the golden laver, and if you look at the prophecy that Isaiah shared in Isaiah chapter 53, and you couple that with Ezekiel chapter 37, it talks about heaven, you can clearly see that he's the Messiah. You just come and see. I don't know what you want. Come and see. You cannot argue with a changed life. 
You can try to go through all the points, and I've had people try to take my inventory and argue, well, let me prove evolution to you. Okay, Bubba. And, and they came in here trying to prove something to me, and they left with the presence of God in their, their life. They left being miraculously born again. They were a hard case. You can't argue with a changed life. Don't try to argue facts with people. Say, hey, come and see. If you don't want to, don't. But come and see. That is a simple biblical answer that you can give and it takes all the pressure off from you doesn't it wow here's what i want you to do i want you to join those of us in the room that are ready to refocus christmas those of us that are saying hey we want god's best it's not that we're not going to have the tree up we got our tree up it's not that we're not going to celebrate with gifts i hope you bless the fire out of your kids don't feel guilty about blessing your kids never apologize for the blessing of god however Put Jesus at the center of it all. And why don't you bring him the best gift you ever could, and that's his kids. He's a dad that wants his kids around Christmas table. This Friday is your opportunity. Heads bowed and eyes closed as the music comes. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for meeting us in this place. Lord, we thank you. We're grateful for this great gift called Jesus, and we want to share it with others. Lord, we're sorry if any of us have made this a focus of what it should not be. God, we thank you for your goodness. And that we can actually share that with others. Lord, some of us, we're new to the faith. We've never had you these things before. I thank, I thank you for a holy boldness to rise up in my church so people will feel secure about talking to other people about their faith. That they'll take this simple invitation sheet seriously. And Lord, I thank you that if there's anybody in this room or in the sound of my voice that doesn't know you, that you'd help me to find them. In Jesus' name. Heads bowed and eyes closed for just a second. I want to talk to you about you, about your heart. We're talking about reaching other people for Jesus. We're talking about a church that's focused on the lost. Here's what I hope you heard. We care about you. God cares about you, and you are valuable to him. You know, we talk about accepting Christ. A lot of preachers talk about heaven, and that is very true. You accept Jesus, you're going to heaven. You'll avoid a Christless hell. But some of you need eternal life to rush into your life today. Because it's in this time of year where you're confronted with how much you make a year, where you're confronted with some of the drama in your life, where you miss people that you love. Still, I know that there's people that haven't brokered that relationship with Jesus. He did that for you. The Bible says that if you call Jesus Lord, you'll be saved. And here's what it means. What does Lord mean? It means boss. It means God. It means you're done being the God over your own life. You've realized you're not that great of a God, but if you give it to him, make Jesus Lord, the Bible says you'll be saved. And that eternal life that you're looking for, that peace, friend, that you're looking for can come into your life today. Don't leave this place without it. I want to give us an opportunity to do that. Heads bowed and eyes closed. I want to pray this prayer out loud. For the Christians in the room, maybe you want to say this with me as a declaration of your faith and really in support of those people that are saying it for the first time. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Pray this with me. Pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross in my place for my sins so I can be forgiven. You raised him from the dead. This I believe. So with my heart and with these words, I confess Jesus Christ is my Lord. I surrender now. Jesus, I call on you. Come into my life. Forgive my sin. Put your spirit in me. 
I receive all that you have for me. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for making all things new. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we put our hands together for those people that accepted Christ in this place? Praise God. Yeah. Listen, if you accepted Christ, we're so proud of you. And let me tell you, I'm not going to embarrass you and call you down to the front. There's public things like baptism. Those are coming up. This is in between you and God, and I get it. But what I would encourage you to do is, in the same way that our visitors are filling out that connection card, I encourage you to grab it. Nobody's going to know if you're a first-time visitor or whether you have a prayer request. Do fill that out, but check the box that says, I accepted Christ. What I want to do is send a note to you in the mail talking about the next steps that God has for you, and he has great things, bigger than you can imagine, amazing things, and the least of which is to fill out that simple connection card. I pray that you would do it. If you came with somebody and you didn't listen to me and you peeked during the prayer, get them. Have them fill out that card and make sure that we can give that information to all of them. One last time, New Chapel, let's give it up for those people that accepted Christ. Praise God. Stand up on your feet, gang. Hey, it was a good year together, wasn't it? And the best is yet to come. A couple of things I want to tell you before we dismiss. This Friday, I don't know if I told you, but we're having Christmas Eve services. Four o'clock and six. If you don't come, I will haunt your dreams. Just kidding. I want you all to be here. I want to celebrate big and really be with my church family. It would mean a lot to me. For a guy that's lost a lot of people, it really would mean a lot to me. And then I also want to tell you that on the 26th, you better not come. Of course, we know that. But on the first Sunday of January, we are starting a brand new series called Brazen Jesus. I just didn't have it in me to preach. Let's have a best new year ever sermon. I can't do it, but I can preach to you, Jesus, like maybe if you can. And I think it's going to be a great series. Together, we're going to have some forward motion as a church. Can I hear an amen? amen? Hey, for the last Sunday service, I want to pray for you. The Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine on you. Be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. And as you go, Praise. see you Friday. I love you. We hope that you were encouraged and brought closer to God during this message. You can listen to any of our past messages and series either on this podcast or on newchapel.com watch. And be sure to connect with us on Facebook or Instagram to stay up to date on everything happening here at New Chapel.